0: Welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. This week's episode is on The Predator, and I'm joined again by my friend Daniel Lima, who was last year on the Black Klansman podcast. Daniel, thanks for joining me.
1: Very welcome. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so it was funny. We had a a funny exchange when I first decided I was going to talk about this movie because, well, I, I told you as I was watching the earlier Predator movies, I wasn't having the best of times, but also when I messaged, I, I sent you a general Facebook message about how, oh, I still need to have someone for this podcast, and you're like, sure, I'll do it, and i was like, well, I don't know if that was an invitation, but like, you're enthusiastic about this kind of, and I'm not, and so that's that's a good combination, so I thought it'd be cool to have, have you on at that point, because I was like, oh, I don't want to keep bothering my guests too often, you were just here a few weeks ago, but I, it seems like you might have a pretty unique perspective on these movies uh, from where I am, so... I, I think you might have watched uh, – you you actually, you said you hadn't seen Alien vs. Predator, and I haven't seen Predators, uh, but neither of those might be canon anyway. So, I mean, we might be on equal footing any, anyway for just the, uh, the new movie's universe, and I want right. to first ask you then why – what it is that – really like you hope to get out of these movies when you go to them or when you went to this most recent one or because i could not stand predator 2 and it seems like you really are very fond of it and i was pretty mixed on the first one so what is it that when you go to one of these movies which all have a lot of the same hit a lot of the same beats but obviously predator 2 did something for you that seems like the others might not have what is it what is there a main thing you're hoping to get out of these when you go to them
1: well the thing about that i love about the predator series so far that i've seen is that it is the perfect distillation of exactly what I love to get out of genre cinema. When you have these sort of high concept, uh, but, you know, movies where the ambition is somewhat lowered, it, this isn't a grandiose statement on human uh, progress and evolution, like 2001, these are monster movies. And I think the great thing about these is that they offer... Uh, filmmakers, the opportunity to get the fundamentals right. These movies ride or die on how tough the script writing is, how great the action directing is. Um, It really does require the people behind the scenes to really make a lean machine that delivers all the genre thrills that the audience expects out of them uh without much more meat on their bones what i love about now see the predator i mean predator The the, first one this is one of the most confusing names they they could
0: they could have put on a little more effort to the new one's name but alas we have to deal with it so the original though
1: the original was – actually, I was the same as you. I was not very hot on the original when I first saw it. It was only after reading other opinions on it, learning about what happened behind the scenes, and um, – oh, dog barking.
0: It's okay. We We welcome we welcome our
1: uh, canine co-host on the
0: show. We, we, it's not the first time this happened.
1: Yeah, okay. So um, – to see, I wasn't too hot on the first one when I first watched it.
0: What do you mean by um, behind the scenes stuff? I, I learned by watching the Honest trailer that Shane Black was pretty much there on set so they could have him do punch ups and stuff. But, well, uh...
1: apparently they wanted him to do punch ups, but he was like, "No, nah, I'm only here to act. I'm not doing <laughs> oh, okay. work on your script for no reason." <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, this was this move That movie. Um, they hired a new director, a fairly new director, John McTiernan, who had done only one movie before. I think it was called Nomads. Uh, so he had, he wasn't very seasoned. Uh, they originally had a far cheaper, sillier-looking creature to begin with, but then went on set. They hired a, you know, a luminaire in creature design, I believe, who ended up coming with that iconic. Uh, makeup himself
0: nominated for an oscar
1: yeah who would have thought the oscar nominated predator Mm -hmm. um you had uh so you had like a low budget movie direct helmed by a guy who nobody really knew and that was all they had to go on, but who they hired, John McTiernan. I don't know if you know this. Later went on to do Die Hard. Oh yeah, he's a big deal. Red October, and you know, the man is one of the most uh, last action. Here. Yes, he is one of the most acclaimed action directors in uh, American cinema, and the the what he put into that movie, I think, made it far better than anyone would have guessed based on the premise. Now, going into that movie, I kind of was expecting... An Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, I was expecting a big 80s action movie with big, gruff, muscly guys who go and they shoot things, and it's awesome. Uh, That's not really what you get.
0: And you had me a little worried when you told me that before I watched it because I was – I think we might have had the same opinion of um, Escape from New York or it might have been someone else I was talking about it with where I just like – based on the premise, I was expecting a lot more action, and then I was kind of let down. But, yeah, that's that yeah, was me. Yeah, but my thing with the – and I was worried – I was that's what I was, I was worried my experience with Predator would be based on you kind of hinting at the same thing. But I found like the first 30 minutes of Predator just mind-numbingly boring with just a bunch of boring gunplay and not much else. And I actually really enjoyed like the latter half of it when I got to see Arnold doing – Things that you don't typically expect in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Like, I would say the Terminator movies are way better, but whatever he's doing with the acting when he's having to, like, quietly circle the Predator in the back half of the first movie is actually really interesting.
1: Well, part of the re. Well, actually, as time has gone on, I've become more appreciative, and upon rewatch, I became more appreciative of that first half of Predator. It's not like this is. A very in-depth character study. These aren't really well-drawn characters, to be clear. That said, I think that that first half does a lot to establish who this team is, sure, and um, w- what they're here to do, and how good they are at doing it, and how they interact and work with one another. Uh, the first half is bent on i think it's meant to set up the expectation that you're getting a traditional arnold uh 80s action movie True. Or, or you know overloaded on machismo and you, adrenaline you, and you have, and to, you then have to, to pull the rug out from under you
0: i certainly expected that because just because of how the 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 bulging muscle handshake with carl weathers has become a meme so oh that, yes that, that, that even le- yeah that even led me to really expect that kind of movie because i was like oh yeah that's what this is from huh.
1: yeah and then you have you know some you know the, you know it's it's a it's a you know very violent action movie but in the beginning there's a lot of comedy uh you know Shane Black trading quips with the rest of the team and Arnold Schwarzenegger giving his one-liners everybody giving their one-liners I, I ain't got time to bleed that's just great <laughs> stuff but um And the first action scene that comes up is very typical of the 80s action movie. You know, it's the only scene, I believe, that John McTiernan didn't actually direct himself that was handled by Second Unit. And it kind of shows uh, in that it's far more chaotic with a less clear sense of geography, less camera movement than McTiernan is known for. Uh, but I think that that scene does a great job in suckering you into believing that this is going to be that kind of movie. Sure. And then suddenly, you these uh, big action heroes with bulging muscles start getting taken out one by one by one. And they are clearly in their element, despite being foreigners, and yet they find themselves to be you know, the victims of this brutal killer who they can't see or understand. You see the fear start gripping into them. Uh, and then you find that they find that they have to be the ones on edge, on their guard in this environment. It's not, again, Predator is not like the most thoughtful movie but i think that it still explores a very interesting theme about Ameri- american colonialism uh it's a i mean the whole movie is a vietnam war allegory
0: sure <laughs> I, I hadn't actually thought about it that way but yeah i can kind of see it now
1: yeah I, i've course- not done a lot
0: of reading and reviews of reviews and stuff since watching it for the first time so um but i, I didn't pick up on that myself i'll cop to that
1: yeah, I didn't honestly. The first time that I watched it either was only when I was talking to. We were talking to a friend, and he had said that the Predator Predator has no subtext, while Predator Two is overflowing in it. And okay, I, what do you mean in- by that? First, um, oh, a oh, oh, okay, a friend oh, said that. So,
0: but but you but you really really like Predator Two. So even if you don't have all that other stuff going on for Predator Two, what made that one work so much for you?
1: Now, Predator Two, I think. Despite being less thought-provoking, or uh, and while not as subversive as the original Predator, I thought that it just was a fantastically delivered sci-fi action movie with zero pretensions other than giving you a good time. Uh, you have all these great elements in place. Uh, the premise of Predator Two is it takes place in the you know far-flung future of 1997
0: during those 1997 uh, riots
1: yes and uh it takes place at a time where um ethnic gangs have you know turned LA into a large battleground there's a war going on between these gangs and stuck in the middle of it are the hapless police trying to enact order and at the and the star of the movie uh, as a great counterpoint to you know, the muscle-bound Arnold Schwarzenegger of the first is Danny Glover. Danny Glover, the sweatiest cop in L.A. He uh, did sweat he, a lot. He sweats. He's harried. He's cursing. He's trying to keep it all together. And uh, yes, he's certainly not in shape. He's certainly not like the traditional 80s action hero. And yet I found that his performance was incredibly compelling uh, as a man trying to keep it all together in the sweltering uh, battleground that L.A. had become. Uh, The film opens with him uh, in the midst of a gang battle, uh, in the midst of a gunfight that is Abruptly and violently cut short by an unseen adversary, who you know cut mows down a whole uh, battalion of gang soldiers uh, single-handedly, and then they. I'll give him some
0: credit because I guess this was probably produced in like. Early nineteen ninety, late nineteen eighty nine, and we were just a, Yeah, nineteen ninety we were just a few years away from the Rodney King riots. So it's like it's it's kind of weirdly prescient in that it's like Yeah, oh, uh, it, maybe it, that'll be happening in nineteen ninety seven. It's like, oh, you don't you didn't even need to go that far in the future for this to be a realistic <laughs> yeah. setting.
1: Um it's funny because this movie, despite me just saying it has not a lot, it doesn't have like any subtext whatsoever, really. There is an interesting uh thematic element with uh it's a movie that clearly plays into reagan era social politics you know you have this this wide-spanning dystopian landscape populated by criminals and not not worse no no not just criminals worse jamaican voodoo gangs yeah there's a lot of that (laughs) colombian drug cartels uh truthfully this is a movie that i think the racial politics are you know a little despicable but it Sort of makes the material even more interesting. You have this alien interluder in this, uh, you know, very human landscape and uh, not far removed from society like in the first one. And it sort of makes you question whether or not what this war that these characters, uh, you know, this land that the characters are fighting over, it brings into question how important really is it in when you introduce this interstellar threat into the mix. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it's just a great action movie. Uh, I think that all of the set pieces uh, work really, really well. The director, he's not really known for a lot as far as I can tell. I just looked but him he,
0: up. He did a lot of episodes of 24 after this. and Yeah,
1: but he did do second unit directing uh on uh, highlander which is another one of the great action movies of the 1980s huh. uh one of my favorites and i think that his ability to handle this sort of high octane action shows in this movie uh there's a wonderful train uh, uh what's it called massacre that takes place on a train oh, yeah. uh between there's a sh- there's a it's there's a the setup is that there's cops on the train, there's an attempted mugging, the cops show up to break it up. Everybody on the subway is armed because you know dystopian LA or you know regular LA, <laughs> and then the predator shows up, and suddenly the lights go out, and it becomes this claustrophobic, you know, chaos. Uh, that ensues where, you know, we as the audience don't really get a sense of what's happening. We're caught in the fray along with all these terrified uh, passengers. The only time we get a clear sense of what's happening is when we get those, that wonderful POV shot from the pet predator's perspective with his heat vision on. It's, it, it's, I really, really, and it includes these great character beats. Uh, One of the cops involved is Bill Paxton's amazing character. He plays a hotshot cop uh, who uh, dresses like a 90s used car salesman and talks (laughs) like one too, Uh, which is another thing that I love about this movie. Uh, The Predator series in general, I think that the one constant thematic element would be this sense of camaraderie in all of them and uh, i I just
0: i just didn't feel it a ton for most of that one and i don't know i i i felt to me like the lat like the last third where it was just again more just down to like Danny Glover and the Predator, like that, really did capture me. And I was watching this like 2 a.m. on a Saturday night, which might have been my problem to begin with uh, for the rest of the movie. But like at the point at which I should have been falling asleep at 2 a.m., I was like more into it than the rest. Like in this last, last part of the movie where it's just the two of them, and I, I guess I just wasn't as like taken with the action scenes as you were. And I felt I found them like to have even less. I found it even, I found the characters even less interesting than I did in the first part of the Predator. Uh, well, I just Predator, doing, not that. well. Yeah, so uh, obviously, but like I, I guess that's where we just kind of diverted, and maybe I would have been more engaged in those action scenes if I if I had been into Danny Glover and Bill Paxton, and I, I don't know, I just wasn't.
1: Um, yeah, but, Bill Paxton, I thought that the movie did a pretty good job in making sure that you felt every single character's demise as his team, as Danny Glover's team gets taken out one by one by this unseen force, and he becomes more and more harried as he becomes more and more out of sorts uh the mon- this creature this killer s- starts taunting him starts uh uh following him from place to place uh i think that his entire like the bond that he feels with his entire team is uh ever present through the entire movie and as they get you know sidelined one by one i think that his sense of frustration really bleeds through to the audience. And you also have a great, uh, I want to point out that you have a great supporting role in Gary Busey's uh, obstructionist, yeah, secretive government agent uh, who, who uh, every time he shows up, you, you just can't help but not trust him. Part of that is just that it's Gary Busey. But um, I thought that that conflicts also created a more human uh, 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 source of, you know, uh, adversity that made those early bits more compelling,
0: all right, just to jump ahead a, mi- a minute. um I don't right. I, I don't know if you have much more to say on that, but when when Gary Busey's character's son shows up in The Predator, played by Gary Busey's son, uh, what were you as confused as I was?
1: See, I spent the entire movie because I saw Predator 2 right before I went to see The Predator. okay I spent the entire movie thinking that they just, like, de-aged the character. And, like, I don't know. I I was very—I was confused, but I was like, oh, I'm with it, though. And then it was only when I got home that I I realized that that was Gary Busey's son and not Gary Busey, the character who at that point would have been, like, 50, 60 years old.
0: Yeah, I I, just—I don't know. For some reason, I mean, I guess Gary Busey in real life is in his early 70s, but, like, because his son is actually 47, which is not young, I just thought, like, oh, like— Maybe they just like put some makeup on Gary Busey, and for some reason didn't want to have him look old. And then because I I heard Keys, and I'm like, yeah, his name was Keys, and I just couldn't remember his first name. And so I was like, and, and then before, and then I was just reading about it today. I was like, oh, but I was just so confused while I was watching it. Like if it had been like Gary Busey's 27 year old grandson. Who looked like (laughs) Gary Busey, just like a very young Gary Busey? I'd have been like, "Oh, they just got like that's that's like that must be the real guy's son." But like, forty seven was just like too old for me to make the leap to actually thinking that was his son. You know, it was just a just the weird the weird ages that they were at It was just like kind of threw me off. But I was and then they they kind of served yeah, similar same. roles or whatever. And they I, I appreciate the movie not over explaining it, I guess. But at the same time, it was kind of confusing in the moment because you look so much like him. right. Right. Um,
1: now, on the on the note of the Predator, though. Yeah, um, I walked into it very excited Yeah, let me let me set it up
0: for a second though because i didn't even say at the beginning that we talked about shane black at the beginning and i'm sure anyone still listening understands that shane black directed this film so uh go on and say whatever you were going to say but my next question for you is just going to be based on what you liked out of those first two what are you hoping to get when you go to a like a shane black predator movie which is should be its own distinct thing probably from the earlier ones
1: right um shane black you know had been in the first movie, and he's since gone on to make a career for himself doing these uh, smaller scale, uh, but in, at just as fun, if not more fun, um, you know, action thrillers. Iron Man 3 accepted. Bang. Sorry? Iron Man 3 accepted iron man 3 except well actually i consider iron man 3 to be one of the most underrated marvel movies i, I wasn't
0: people. saying it was bad i was just saying it's not like maybe as small scale as other stuff even oh if, right, in right, some, right in some ways it, it's small scale for a marvel movie though
1: right 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 so um you know we know a shane black movie based on you know all the quips and all the you know all the well-edited action and the well-established characters so you know he's a sure hand at the wheel i haven't disliked a Shane Black movie so going into the Predator I was excited for that and beyond that I had just seen Predator 2 I'm a fan of Predator of the original Predator I even am okay with the uh, 2010 movie Predators which I have like not much to say about because it's not really memorable but it's a lot of fun while you're watching it Um, so going into this one I was pretty excited and I walked out Thinking it was fine.
0: Okay, yeah, and I walked out thinking I I thought I think the we're not going to do a spoiler section for this podcast. If people are still listening, like just go watch it go watch the movie like I, I actually probably liked it better than the first two but i was like i don't have bad taste in my mouth because like i don't like when movies like spend their last five minutes setting up their sequel and then i especially mm. like roll my yeah. eyes when i know that the movie's probably not going to get a sequel because this movie just hasn't really been that well received it's probably not going to make a lot of money um so i, was just like, I oh, think man.
1: they expect it'll break even but
0: yeah, which won't get it a sequel. And I was like, no. man, this is a lot of effort you're putting into these last five minutes when I was like, not, I, I wasn't underwhelmed by your ending. It would have been cool to have just ended when it should have ended. Um, but like, I, I you know, I, I like, I would say I liked it too. And I, I mean, it might be because I, I enjoyed a lot of the actors involved to begin with, even if I could give or take Boyd Holbrook usually. But I did, like, on the whole, I think. I might have even had a more positive experience than you, just because I wasn't coming off a high like a high that Predator Two was for you. And mm-hmm. I think I appreciated, even if it's it's not necessary in a monster movie to know what the monster's motivations are. I, it was a nice change that they at least did some of that, because as opposed to just you know having it attack for not a ton of reason, which is kind of what the first two are um or right. so i i guess i kind of liked thinking about that it could have maybe even done more with that but it was just a new wrinkle that i don't feel like you got in the first two movies and yeah so it, and i think you you mentioned shane black quips and i i probably just could have used a lot more of that it would have just made it feel like i said even more distinct on top of having doing different stuff with the predator's motivations and because there are moments where that stuff does seep through but a lot of it doesn't feel like a shane black movie to me some of it does yeah which is good.
1: i agree it doesn't feel like a shane black movie and beyond that it doesn't really even feel like a predator movie so i think that anyone listening kind of knows about the production troubles that this movie had uh beyond the you know obvious cutting out a scene because shane black decided to help out a sex offender
0: yeah not uh, and this actually movie i think and, and i was
1: guess that- re-
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Because I, I don't. I actually don't know much about these production troubles aside from that. But I wanted to make a point on the sex offender thing.
1: I do know. I don't know much about it, either, to be honest. But I do oh, okay. know that the movie was recut after a test screening. Uh, apparently, they cut the. Uh, they edited around the ending, or made filmed a new ending, or something. But um, hmm. it does feel like a movie where there was a whole lot of studio interference. Uh, Even the opening moments, I was watching it thinking, oh, so I'm not really going to be watching a Shane Black movie or a Predator movie. Just the opening of, like, a spaceship crashing down into Earth gave the feel that I was sitting down for just another studio sci-fi action movie, which isn't what I want from a Predator movie. Like I said at the beginning, Predator... The franchise offers the opportunity for filmmakers to make a very lean. Uh, you know, uh, the Predator as a series offers the opportunity f- for filmmakers to deliver a lean machine that delivers all those genre thrills. Right. That, like, like you know, you're saying, you enjoyed about the first one in yeah. a condensed manner. Yeah, in a you know, which seems like is what you really liked about the first two. Yes, uh, and even the third one. But this feels far wider in scale. It feels far more chopped to bits. Not quite doesn't have the same flow as the first two. Uh it it's, you know, the the cast doesn't really gel in the same way that I have felt in all the other Predator movies. Of course, you have a good cast, except for, you know, the lead, who's the least interesting lead out of any of these movies and i'm including adrian brody in that adrian brody boyd holbrook is a black hole of personality who like i would have rather seen this movie starring jacob tremblay who actually i think is pretty good in this movie
0: yeah i don't know like who decided that they really like Hollywood. Really wants to make Boyd Holbrook happen, and it's just not giving yeah. him up. Uh, he was he was he was, he was he was the least interesting part of Logan, um, for sure. For I sure. don't
1: even remember him being in Logan. He was the main. Ba- he different. was the,
0: he was the main bad guy, and you forgot him. So that's, that's wow. That's yep. as that funny. I guess people really like Narcos a lot. I've, I've not really gotten into Narcos. Um, yeah, I, I it's and it's, he was in it, and I guess that might be there might be like oh people like Narcos, so they must like Boyd Holbrook, and I don't really know. I guess he was in Gone Girl. I don't remember. Who he was in Gone Girl. He was in the Skeleton Twins, a movie that I really like. Apparently, I don't know what he oh, did in that. I
1: like this. Oh, he—he he
0: was. The, I think he's the one that like Chris and Wig hooks up with in that at one point. Uh, um, but yeah, that's,
1: that, that's super a, forgettable man. Right. Um, but so, then you have another cast stacked with you know great performances okay. from Trevante Rhodes. Trevante Rhodes, who I did, you know, Trevante Rhodes you know claim to fame is moonlight a movie which i am very very cold on and yet i thought that he was fantastic yeah, in this I, well the
0: thing, yeah and i like him i I, th- and you made the point about the cast not gelling and i i thought the scene in the hotel in the motel room did get a little bit of the humor that you want from shane black but the stuff on the bus, the loony bus or the short bus or i think they called it the short bus themselves that just didn't do it like it felt like you were awkwardly forcing like we were supposed to think that was funny but i didn't think it was funny and
1: I would also I would also extend that to the hotel sequence. There's a uh, very long joke about Thomas Jane characters having Tourette. Oh, the Tourette stuff was just, not funny. It just doesn't even it doesn't work as a I was piece into- piece, and it also feels
0: Kind of wrong. I was enjoying the thing where they were – yeah, it, I, I totally agree on that. I was talking – when I was saying the motel stuff worked, I was talking about more when they were trying to like set the stuff up on Olivia Munn's bed. Like They were just being really weird and stupid about it, but I laughed oh, at yeah, that.
1: Oh, yeah. That actually was a gag that worked.
0: Yeah. yeah I, th- I just thought, I thought the, the Tourette stuff was really dumb. I was also distracted by the fact that I guess this guy, the guy that played the, the Hispanic team member, it's, it, I just couldn't get out of my head that it was like, wow, they must not have been able to get Michael Peña. Like that was like, that was my thought the whole time. I was like, this just seems like something that was written for Michael Pena, and they couldn't get him, so they're like, all right, let's find a, a different Hispanic guy, because it just like yeah. s- it's it seemed like a Michael Pena kind of role, and I just kept thinking like, you're not Michael Pena the whole time, and that guy's fine in and of itself, but like I couldn't get that thought out of my head, and yeah, uh, I, that's
1: the one guy who I can't even place.
0: Okay, well, yeah, so there was all the Hispanic. I didn't actually I, I actually know who Thomas Jane is. I know that guy was, and I d- didn't even recognize Thomas Jane, which is kind of funny, but I totally agree that Tourette's thing was completely unnecessary and he's a good actor, so it's kind of a shame, but like Jacob Trombley, Travante rose what did you what did you think of? Like, because all of these movies, like Sterling K. Brown is essentially playing the Gary Busey role almost, or just kind of the the other pr- heel that works for yes, some kind of the governmental mysterious authority.
1: obstructionist government agent. <laughs> but a it, friend of ours had said that he is basically doing his role in that great episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. No, <laughs> and that's
0: a great episode, but I don't actually see that at all. Like, I thought.
1: See, I do. I do. He seems far. He you know, seems overconfident. I do get that sense. He's, you know, very overconfident, very cocky, very okay. sure of himself.
0: In that Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, the interrogation episode, he is keeping his cool for most of that episode, and he eventually blows up. Here, he keeps blowing up throughout and getting, like, really, really, like, emotional and angry. And I thought it was, like, like he's cool as a cucumber for 20, 20 of the 22 minutes of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode. Yes, confident, but also, like, very, like, doesn't lose it. And here he just like keeps like yelling and going really like b- he's the biggest personality in the room, and I, I kind of enjoyed it though. It was like over the top, but like over the top in a way that I was like, "Huh, it's kind of funny seeing you do this." You're like the great orator that everyone talks about. And we'll probably have a speech tonight as we record this, We're recording this the night of the Emmys. I bet we'll see him up there giving a speech for yeah. "This Is Us," a show that I don't watch, but he winning nah. awards for. Like, it'll it's probably- okay. He'll probably give this amazing speech and it's like, oh, you're so smooth. And this guy's just a little blustery. And I thought it was kind of fun to watch Sterling K. Brown be a little blustery and not the smoothest.
1: Yeah, he was honestly probably the star of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, this is a movie that just never really gelled together in a way that I felt was uh you know what I went to a Predator movie to see. Uh, it doesn't feel like a Predator movie because the action is, you know, while there's one great standout with this uh, Predator being held in containment that later escapes, uh, that's a great set piece. But most of this movie takes place at night, which actually puts it at odds with most of the other movies, which are uh, all almost always set – I
0: thought there were, there were a good amount of night scenes on rooftops in Predator 2. That was what I felt like watching. There might have only been one, but it felt like we were on a we spent a lot of time on roofs at night in that one.
1: Fair enough, but you also get a lot of stuff in the bright light of LA light. You get uh you know, because I think that it's important to, you know, set these creatures up as, you know, monsters who can attack you in the bright light of day and you'll never know what's right. about to hit and th- you. And
0: that's a point I want to make visually about these movies is that I liked the second half. Like, it felt very novel in the original movie where you're having him jump through the trees and blend in with the trees. And you're having uh, Arnold up against the trees. And that was a novel setting at that point. And then at the towards this one in the end, it just doesn't – it feels like you've seen it all before because of that because the effects were so good. And even though this movie comes out 31 years later, like the the effects don't feel 31 years better than the original, I would say. And then in yeah, Predator yeah, I two, would
1: agree. I would agree.
0: And even if, in oh, a lot of Predator 2, I felt was not that in, in, in impressive to me visually because I did feel like I was just hanging out on some roofs at night. One of the parts I did like, and more so than the opening gang fight sequence, was after the subway scene. There's a stretch, which I wish had gone on longer because I did enjoy looking at it. You mentioned the L.A. sky, and there is a scene where he's, like, kind of jumping on some verandas and jumping from roof to roof as everyone's trying to figure out what's going on after that subway scene, and you just kind of see him going in and out of his uh, invisibility and jumping around and just on an L.A. street, and I thought that was really interesting, more so than anything in – the predator even though i even though i did like the predator better i i, I mm. i'd agree with you that there's nothing as visually ambitious as there was in the first two movies this is a bunch of night uh, scenes at night there's a scene in a school a scene on a high school football field but like that does that's nothing that special i'd agree
1: no yeah uh they really dropped the ball there beyond that the predator there are two predators in this movie is that a spoiler is that a spoiler i told
0: you we're spoiling everything I, I'll Wonderful. put the, i'll put the
1: warning in our description Wonderful. So uh, there are two predators in this movie. One is the familiar, you know, practical makeup predator that we've grown accustomed to. And the other is this big super predator, which I believe comes from the 2010 movie Predators. But um, it's it's a CGI creation. And so when they're fighting this monster that takes the place of the practical one halfway through, it just doesn't have the same tactile you know uh a uh, sense that you know all the others have so it doesn't feel like they're really being menaced by this strange creature it just feels like another because well, they sent CGI it
0: they, because they, they sent it to kill the other one and they kind of figure that out and so it's like It's not as much of a threat once they've become aware of that. I mean they eventually have to – they eventually need to take it out um, once – like, or it it is coming to kind of get them afterward. But like in the moment, they're kind of like, oh, it was just there to kill that other one, and that's kind of it.
1: Um, Right, but like beyond that, it's just – the creature itself is just not – intimidating not only because of the plot but also because it's just a cgi creation you know it feels like it's just empty space you
0: you weren't scared once they figured out once it figured out how to like uh use a translator and then uh speak to all the humans
1: yeah no i I, I can't say that did anything for me
0: (laughs) yeah i'd say it wasn't like the most awe-inspiring moment for me either but it was something fairly different where all of a sudden it's like you've these these things have just been killing for sport the first two movies and now they're actually talking to them and that's certainly different and they'd already figured out by that point that it was they were they like we talked about earlier they has motivations they're getting the spinal cords they're trying to adapt and all that and i don't know what what did you think of that final sequence we already discussed that like maybe not the most visually awe-inspiring thing but uh it, that it, i don't i don't i don't know what what did you think because i mean I guess I was still fairly entertained, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I did. I, I enjoyed uh, Keegan Michael Key and one of the other guys that was a little more nameless, er, and Thomas Jane agreeing to kill each other without actually saying it. I laughed at that.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, actually, I found that that was the only moment in the movie where I did get a sense of the camaraderie that I want from a Predator movie. It was this sort of you know brotastic uh, romance yeah. scene. Uh, with these two men mortally wounded, deciding to uh, you know and, save each other from a long, painful death, and it doing it without, one, and
0: doing it without saying any words.
1: Yes, it mean. was the one moment where I thought I was like, okay, now this feels like a predator movie.
0: Right. Um, but like, other than that, I mean, I don't did did that entire final fight sequence uh, do much for you at all?
1: It I sequence that i almost entirely forgot there are no character beats within it uh the characters involved are probably the least interesting out of all of them uh i can't yeah i'm just i was not a fan i was i It glided over me
0: it was a little i don't know did you totally follow how they were able to use the um the invisibility thing that boyd holbrook gets at the beginning because you see him swallow it at one point and then you think oh is he just going to be able to just utilize this the whole movie and then he doesn't really for most of the movie, and then all of a sudden Olivia Munn has it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if they could have set that up better or not. Well, uh, the
1: implication is that he pooped it out. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, no, he, oh, uh, there's right, a scene right, where he right, gets right, indigestion. Right, right, right. He goes into the Ah, rest-
0: uh, So, in sh- a there, actually, so- actually,
1: that's the one bit of Shane Blackian humor that actually works for me because after he, you know, poops out this device God, that God. he swallows at the beginning, he yeah. obsessively starts cleaning it and washing it. Um, while he has it in his hand, and before he hands it off to his son, God, I'm can't believe I it off, and yeah, that was actually a decent psych gag. I actually yeah. liked that.
0: No, that, so that that was good. Um, what, what what did you think about the? So I don't know if you read about this. So the the dog, the alien dog that kind of follows them around and they befriend. Apparently, uh, one of the things that would have helped uh, make that all a little bit more clear was the scene they had to cut out with Olivia Munn and the sex offender. And it had something to do with that. And that whole thing would have made a little more
1: sense as to why. Yeah, like- I think she's jogging her dog when like a man accosts her. And it turns out that the man who accosted her was played by a real life, you know, predator. So that's not cool.
0: Oh, so it's just supposed to be that that's why she likes dogs. and or did,
1: or- I, 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 I assume oh, because okay. um the first time we get a glimpse of Olivia Munn's character is, you know, Sterling K. Brown approaching her and saying, you want to meet a predator, and then whisking her away to a government facility. I assume that the first scene we get, because I know that it involves her jogging and this man catcalling her, I assume that was supposed to establish her character. I
0: I did not know that. So not only did they cast a sex offender, they cast a sex offender to be a sexual harasser.
1: Yes. That's not uh, great, not great. No, No. not a great look. Not a great look. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I think that scene was meant to establish some bit of her character which uh it being cut i mean not to say that it shouldn't have been but it, do, it does mean that i spent far longer trying to get a feel for who her character is and i, I can't say that she left too much of an impression it's
0: a shame that, it's just shame that whole thing didn't come to light just a few months sooner because they could have easily just reshot that thing reshot that scene i think it seems like they cut it out like way after they had kind of wrapped production and they didn't really have a they didn't really have that option to go back into production even for a scene that small, but mm. uh, it seems like one of the they could have it would have been like a much smaller scale thing of like the Christopher Plummer and all the money in the world type thing, and they just it just didn't happen. And I, I kind of agree that like I mean I, I like Olivia Munn fine as an actress, but it it seems like it would have helped her if she had just. Dis- a character that was just a little more developed as a person um but i, I think she has right. enough she has enough natural charisma and personality as an actress that you can kind of like she can kind of convey who her characters are pretty well even unless the, unless it's like what she's had to do in x-men apocalypse because that was a whole lot of nothing um hmm. but yeah i don't know um is there is there anything else about this i mean it seems like i don't know we i don't know i i, I feel like i probably didn't even talk about enough about things i was happy with about this i mean i don't i don't know why like, i mean i, I guess i might have enjoyed some of the sequences with the um i don't know i, I did like jacob trombley i we didn't talk that much about him you briefly mentioned him i was just kind of i, th- I kind of thought it was funny that the kid was i guess he's supposed to be a little smarter and i guess on the spectrum they talk about that a little bit but he's like in middle school and he clearly doesn't look old enough to be in middle school like this guy was
1: playing a five-year-old in room
0: like three years ago <laughs> um but like,
1: yeah, um, I actually did really like Jacob Tremblay in the movie. I thought that he doesn't overdo you know, it. He doesn't
0: try and be like overly cute kid or anything like that. You know, I, I, I would w- right. worry about like a, a guy like that trying to overdo it and be like too precious, precocious, whatever you want to call it. And it seemed like it was a pretty well modulated performance for like a child actor.
1: And I think that it the character, you know, he is on the spectrum. He does, he is a, I believe, a savant when it comes to learning language, but he's not. The character isn't treated like in that sort of icky Hollywood cliché of like, you know, the super smart autistic person who's like exploited by other. He, it does feel like he's his own person. And I thought that it was, uh, from what I know, a decently realistic portrayal of what it is to live life on the spectrum. I, I don't want to, you know, make any grandiose claims uh, here, but I thought that it was actually fairly well handled. Gotcha yeah uh and yeah. i liked his nl and he gave a good performance better than the lead
0: i i'm i'm not going to disagree with you there um trying to think of this if, if there is, are there any other points that you wanted to make or any anything we didn't touch on about it um keegan michael key uh, i don't know if you had any thoughts on him i was we didn't talk too much about him there like i said i some of his moments didn't really work for me on the bus but i mean i feel like i had like a lot of like i I kind of agree with you in that a lot of the the latter half of this movie was somewhat forgettable but like i feel like i did have some moments where i was a little more into him uh i i I like the scene where they're all trying to talk each other out of like going with boyd holbrook when he's going back to find the kid i thought that was kind of funny yeah that was Um, fun and they're they're in the house with yvonne scherhoffsky but like, I, I don't know. I, I do like Keegan-Michael Key as an actor. Like I thought he was pretty great and don't think twice. So it would be cool if he got to do, start doing some more interesting stuff also. I don't know. Uh,
1: is there anything else? Well, I just want to say that despite the fact that I've spent most of this time ragging on this movie, I can't lie. I did mostly enjoy my, myself in the midst of watching it while you're sitting down. And you're having these images unfold upon you it's it's fun in spurts, you know you still have the gore and the uh, uh,
0: uh, yeah, there's a lot of gore in that scene where the thing first escapes from the facility,
1: yeah, and that first is that escape scene is I think uh one of the better action scenes of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is you know that blackian humor, and although it's stifled under the editing. Uh, I think that it does work. You know, there are jokes where I laughed, which, you know, more than I can say for some comedies I've seen this year. It's a studio film that doesn't really feel like a Predator film or a Shane Black film, but it still stands out as one of the uh, better examples of, you know, the current mode of blockbuster filmmaking, even though it somewhat drags down uh, what you would want from a Shane Black Predator movie
0: i i totally agree with that i just i wish more of the shane blackiness had come through and uh but even if i did if I, I did find it in spurts i just when i first heard that they were making this movie with this cast with that director i guess i just i had i had a, something slightly different in mind and i think we're both kind of on the same page on that but like i think i found a little more to enjoy than i was expecting when i saw the first wave of reviews at least um that's that's not nothing i guess i don't know I, I just wish i wish i had loved it more but uh what are you going to do yeah but yeah i think i think we pretty well covered it i i appreciate you taking the time to walk me through this i mean hearing you talk about the first couple movies which i especially the second one which i really struggled with a lot like it, it at least gave me a, a, a different way to think about it and maybe i'll revisit it if in a few years and see if it strikes me a little different so i appreciate you taking the time to do that because i hadn't expected to go that deep on them but hey this maybe this have something for everyone maybe there will be someone that wants to hear us talk about those two and doesn't care about the last one so i can break this podcast up pretty nicely into three little timestamp things and there will be a lot of different things for people to take from it. Hopefully,
1: uh, hopefully.
0: Uh, I, I, Daniel, any, anything you want to plug? Letterboxd or anything like that? Before we go,
1: uh, not really. My letterbox. If you guys want to find it, it'll be I believe letterbox dot slash felonious funk. That's two F's.
0: There we go. And as usual, I'm Josh Chernavoy on uh, at Letterbox and on Twitter. That's J O S H J U R n-o-v-o-y so uh i appreciate all of you listening to this i cannot say what the next podcast is going to be after this because there's a kind of a weird morass of movies to round out september and some of them are limited releases i'm not sure when i'm going to be getting them but daniel will probably be back in a few weeks to talk about a a movie that i don't think anyone's seen a trailer for yet called a star is born real mystery that one's going to be so uh daniel yeah who knows. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I don't know what to expect. Daniel's really not even that excited about it. I just kind of had to beg him to do it. But he'll he'll, he'll be around for that. Yeah, so. It's only it's only going to be
1: it's only going to be like the best movie ever made.
0: There we go. So, uh, you guys have I know I know we have that to look forward to in October. Just not really sure what else will be, be between now and then, but I'll figure something out and I appreciate all of you listening and we'll see you next time.